Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we dig in deep to analyze the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. I'm Andy Nelson from thenextreel.com. We are talking about Jon Favreau's 2008 film Iron Man, where all of this craziness began. And joining me today, I have Jonathan and Chris from the Minute Impossible podcast. Hey, guys. Hey. Hey, how's it going? Welcome. Thanks for coming and uh, jumping into Minute 51 of Iron Man with me today. We're getting in the guts. We're getting into, yeah, we're excited. Yeah, we're getting, getting into, into Tony it. Stark's yeah, guts. Yeah, it's very nice. It's a lot of digging around <laughs> in there. Yes. We are talking about Minute 51 of uh, Iron Man. The minute starts with Tony handing off his old irrelevant RT device to Pepper, and it ends with Pepper giving Tony the shock of a lifetime. This is the big, uh, the the great little uh, makeup effect that they have. It's it's a really fun. Yeah, a practical. Yeah, this is fantastic. It's, it's amazing what they do here. Yeah, yeah it's, it's amazing. Because <laughs> I was watching it like it blew it up as big as I could. Also, I own it. And we were, Chris and I were talking about it earlier because he had watched it like what last week or something. Yeah, last week or the week before, you know, just just the other day, basically. That's what it felt and like. we're watching it in HD and looking at it like, man, I mean, I know it's fake, but it's really good. It's a really good body. Yeah, it's a really good fake. And if you watch like the documentary on, on the Blu ray disc or on the, the digital version, you'll see them put that right. on him and lay him <laughs> down on it. And it's surreal because it's like, once they lay it on him, it looks like he's there. It's a nice prosthetic. It's really impressive work. Yeah, it's a very good prosthetic. It helps that he's smooth. Uh, right. Yeah, that he's he's nice and clean shaven. And and, and he said he says in, in the documentary that they had to shave him to get <laughs> to get him to look like that for the oh, whole no. movie. Poor guy. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and, and that's where you see him where they're actually applying kind of the, the stuff to make the mold of his chest. And as they're ripping it off, I mean, it's just yeah. even with all the hair gone, he still is just like screaming in pain because it's torture having that stuff pulled off. It's like waxing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know? But it really it really is an, a, a great a great effect. And I mean, the, all the effects in this movie that are practical. You just almost said impression. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is impression exactly. It's an impression of his chest. <laughs> right, it is. It's a great impression. It is an impression of his, of his chest. chest. But I mean, I mean, just as a whole, and this is also before all the Marvel guys. That, like now, they're all like bulked up, and even before Downey got as bulked up as he gets later in the other films for their chest area. Yeah, he is. looks. Yeah, he looks like normal in this movie. He's very like yeah. if what was it? The last one, three, three was really the yeah. one where he was like buff, yeah, like hard, like hard. Like old man hard. Yeah. I think he was uh, feeling pressure <laughs> from the rest of the Avengers group. You know, every time that they are in a movie yeah. there, e even Paul Rudd and Ant-Man has to have a moment where he's kind of showing off yeah, his oh, yeah. chest. And so this is kind of that point where I think he realized, you know what, I'm going to have to uh, to amp it up a little bit. Well, I think <laughs> Paul Rudd and uh, Robert Jenny Jr. are the two oldest actors, even though Paul Rudd looks like he's seven. Yeah, right. <laughs> feel, that's feel, that's what it feel. I know Paul Rudd's really only like 45, but. Or maybe almost closer to 50 at this point. He's not as old as, as uh, Robert Downey Jr., but... Uh, no, he looks like he's... Well, they not look. He is almost 60, isn't he? He's like 55, I think, or 54, something like that. He's he, he's he's in his mid-50s. Yeah, he least. was born yeah. in 65. So he's pushing... So what is that, 53? Yeah, 53. And obviously, when he was doing this, it was 2008. So he was 43. Uh, you know, I'd still say... He was my yeah. age. I don't look like that. <laughs> It's it's impressive. I mean, he's got you know he's in Hollywood. He's got all the the dietitians and everything. And this is at a point where he's cleaned up and everything. So he's keeping himself very clean and drinking his health juices and everything else. So I think that 
yeah. you know, considering what he had put his body through, I think he actually ends up looking pretty good at this point in his life. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, and, and I think, I think actually it was 2007 when they did this. Cause I remember that Comic-Con trailer came out in the summer of 2007 and everybody just went nuts over it uh, when they showed it. And I remember seeing it, you know, not legally, but illegally online and, and i was really blown away by just that just that that little clip that they showed and it was it was impressive right, right. so the iron man minute does not condone viewing <laughs> no no we do not things illegally this is something we've talked about before is how deep this chest cavity is the, the, this oh yeah i, I uh half a, uh eight not 10 inch 12 by inches. the time we get uh, to almost the end of this minute i mean pepper has almost her entire hand down in this hole to to get this wire out that she's trying yeah. to get that is just disturbing how deep this goes and it is you know it the logic of it always just uh stymies me thinking that this is what what he and yinsen <laughs> did in the cave is they they cut this like five inch deep circular like hole into his chest pulling out his sternum parts of his lungs like i don't even know what they had to do in order to make this work but it, it's one Not of those exactly. things where it's it's just illogical but in the comic book world it's uh you know you got you buy into it sure <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And, and and like I said, when I watched it uh, recently, I, that's the first thought that came to me when I saw the 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 arc reactor in him in the cave. I'm like, how did he do that? And 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 how much me of a mess that must have been? It's just like the logic of it was was boggling my mind when I watched it, you know. And it still does. Yeah, I wonder how much was done again as they kept working. That's one of those things. I'm, obviously, those aren't our minutes, but that's a nice piece of like. I think someone said it was like a vibranium alloy type thing the the tube that's inside of it basically it's a cup holder it's a that's giant right, cup holder exactly yeah. <laughs> like that they didn't pull that out of a cave yeah that wasn't smelted in no. a cave that that looks like it was machined in in a at his house the only thing well yeah the only thing we hear him talking about specifically is the palladium which is the thing that they extract uh, i can't remember how mm -hmm. many uh, it's a very minuscule amount that they extract grams, to, yeah, milligrams, right, grams. to create that little ring that is going to be kind yeah. of a, a catalyst, right? like almost like the catalytic converter for this entire device. Now, I can see the this this tube in him being pulled out from one of the missiles because, I mean, they assembled all of this stuff from, from oh. all the missiles that he yeah. they were oh, pulling missile apart. casing. Yeah, so That's I would assume true, that yeah. it's, it's some sort like of piece that. of a missile that they've installed there. All right, you've 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 solved it. That's what yeah. it is. It's, it's a missile casing in his <laughs> chest. Speaking, you were talking about palladium. I went and looked up because she sticks her hand in and he's like, she's like, it's pus. And he's like, it's not pus. It's inorganic plasma discharge. And I'm like, I guarantee you some nerd has looked up inorganic <laughs> plasma discharge. And the internet, internet did not make me into a fool. Uh, it did. They talked about it. Some people were talking about it and they were like, yeah, human plasma and palladium salt is probably what is inside of his hole. And I was like, ew. <laughs> I'm not sure that makes it any better. <laughs> it's a discharge from the reactor core. The the, the This is yeah. like real world nerd, like right, right, online yeah. nerd. So I don't know how well they these people really know. But they basically were saying that the Mark I reactor would have defects because it was built on a cave. And so it would leak. Right. And that's what that, 
goo. And, and and that is what what poisons him in the second movie too. Well, he's being leaked another thing. It's it's more pl- it's different kind of leakage. Right, it's yeah. actually like the palladium yeah. radiation or whatever. The energy being created is what's poisoning him. The 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 question above this that brought this on was someone was like, "Okay, when they put in the Mark II, doesn't he just still fill up with goo all the time? Where does that goo go?" <laughs> And it was a good point. And they were like, it, the goo was from the first one, and there is no goo. Yeah, because, I mean, he he takes out the entire RT device. And I'm assuming, my assumption is that that palladium ring is somewhere in the actual RT device itself, not in the piece that's in his chest. Right. Yeah. If, if, if it's somehow coming from reaction with the palladium and creating a, a, a goo and a palladium salt, then I think that he's probably okay now. What's funny is that the electromagnet, they pull, he pulls out the, uh, you keep calling it RT. What does RT stand for? Uh, repulsor technology. That's, uh, oh, okay. you know, it's, gotcha. it's, it's in the script that way. It's also the arc reactor. They kind of call it both things back and forth. I like the RT. So they pull yeah. the RT, the, the glowy part. Yes. Out. <laughs> and the old glowy and then part. He pull, and then she pulls on the string and he's like, don't pull the string. The one that, with, oh, oh, you know, with the magnet on it. Um, I'm wondering though, does it work without the RT powering the magnet? And that's an odd question because it's like an electromagnet. So I'm assuming that it needs the electricity to actually create the magnetic currents. Right. Because the repulsor stuff is just a byproduct. The arc reactor right. is a, a never-ending engine. Correct. Right. Powering an electromagnet. It's not the electromagnet's what's keeping him alive, not the RT. Correct. And, and he unplugs yeah. it and it, clearly he can stay alive for a little while. You know, he hasn't hit a point, at least in this minute, where he's hitting a problem, you know, because, I mean, he can go for a little bit to have one out and do the the whole exchange. In the script, it's actually a little different. The script actually has it where as soon as that comes unplugged, he enters a cardiac arrest and it kind of that spurs the whole thing on. Yeah, because that, yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah, because he totally. uh, will get to it. But later on, he's basically saying, you know, he's like, oh, I'm going to cardiac arrest. Yeah, right, right. You don't go into it. It's not a fit. It's not like on, uh, what, Sanford and Son? Where I'm, I'm coming. <laughs> I'm coming to you, Lizzie. I'm coming. It's not, uh, it's, it, you can't feel it coming on. You have one and you're done. Like you're out. Yeah. When you have an episode, it's not like a cardiac arrest is like, here it comes. I can feel it building. So that, yeah, I understand though why they did that because they it would be stupid if he like just passed out. Although it would be fine. I'd be okay with her, like, pat, like, for figuring it out. Cause the thing she picks up, the RT2, the, the, the Mark II does have a little connector on it. It does. Well, and yeah. So she sees from the piece that he gave her. I mean, it obviously has the little wire dangling and it, it, he pops it out of something. So she knows that this other one has to get popped in somewhere else. What kind of connector is that? USB? <laughs> Lightning? What are we thinking? It looks like an Ethernet connection. It does. Ooh, it, look like, it, it looks more Ethernet. <laughs> Maybe it's like one of those old SCSI connections, those big SCSI cables. <laughs> I had a dream about those little connections like that, like the, the one that he's got there the other night. And I'm like, why am I dreaming about this? And it must have been because I was watching, I was thinking what about a the weird dream. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like I was trying well, to plug it into something. I couldn't figure out what yeah. I was plugging it into. <laughs> now all this dream's becoming interesting. Now it's becoming interesting. Exactly. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, I love how she says like like oh my god, it smells. He's like oh yeah, it does. Yeah right. 
you know? <laughs> yeah, it does. Now, the, the lines that <laughs> yeah, they have, uh, this is something that I've been seeing a lot as, as we've been going through the movie, is the, the way that the script is uh, is a lot more just straightforward. It doesn't have nearly as much um, kind of character uh, relationship in, in their dialogue between uh, really anybody, any conversation. There's just so much more the way that it ended up getting filmed. And that, I think, just speaks to... Do you think to, it's John Favreau? Yeah, I think direction? that I think that John Favreau allowed well, and Robert Downey Jr. I think is just naturally one of those guys who um, yeah. really plays with the comedy elements and and kind of pulls that out out whenever he can. And he's a charm magnet, so uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I'm sure she was just trying to keep up. Yeah, yeah. I'm right. sure it was a just yeah. Yeah, that seems well, to be. Yeah, what... and Gwyneth has said as much. <laughs> you know, she's like, you know, he's he he's much <laughs> faster at that sort of stuff. So I, but I, I think that it comes across so naturally the way that these two have this rapport and the way that this scene played out, like they have that great moment where he's like, yeah, it should be fine. It's like operation. You just don't let it tuck the, touch the socket wall where it goes beep. And she's like, what's operation? What do you mean? That sort of stuff is not in the script, but it works so well. And it creates such a charm between these two that yeah. uh, is, is so nice. I, I love the way that uh, Robert Downey Jr. And, and Gwyneth Paltrow play their parts here. I appreciate you oh, bringing yeah. up Operation because <laughs> this is a movie about inventors. So I think all inventors should get their due. Operation was invented in 1964 by John Spinello of the University of Illinois. He was an industrial design student and uh, he sold it to Milton wow. Bradley for $500 and the promise of a job upon graduation. <laughs> cool, huh? Well, he got screwed, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah, well, the estimated <laughs> franchise is worth $40 million. Yeah, I was going to say, I wonder if he got uh, yeah. any royalties afterward nope just uh, the 500 <laughs> 500 and maybe a job question mark <laughs> it's like so, working yeah. for marvel Ooh. exactly back in those early days uh, oh, the early days when they were poor gross nobody wants to work for them then yeah <laughs> well i mean this is this is one of those movies that really like you know like they say it does kickstart the whole universe and and, and at the time i remember it not being one of those things that people i i, I talked to people about it when it was trailering and before it came out and they were just like oh that can't be that can't be a good movie it just doesn't look good i've never heard of the characters yeah and the credible hulk hadn't even come out yet oh that's right it hadn't the other hulk one had the other hulk did the the ang lee one that was like five years before this and then we'd have had the spider-man movies yeah and 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 we had you know we were were all counting on the dark knight yeah you know dark knight was coming out that same summer i remember when this came out and i was like well i'm going to see it because i guarantee you that'll have the iron man song at so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go see this. That's what pulled you in, huh? Basically, I was like, "It's Robert Downey Jr. He's awesome. I kind of I like him a lot, and because I liked him, I've liked uh, like Weird Science and Back to School, which I both watched both those movies in the past week. And he's so good. You were talking Andy earlier about like his charm and charisma. He's good in those movies when he's high on drugs and like 22 years old. He's amazing. He was good. He was good in Johnny B. Good of all movies. Oh I mean, yeah, he's like the best thing in that movie. He really is. I mean, and he was even good when he was on Saturday Night Live. He's just being himself. He's just you know? coked out of his yeah. gourd. But that that goes to show the the personality that he has. I mean, it's just an amazing personality that works perfectly for film. It does. Yeah, and I was I've always been rooting for him because he's he was always so funny and he's always so charismatic. And when you know the the crap hit the fan with him, I was really like disappointed and sad and hoped that he would come back. And boy, did he! Like I said, when I saw that first trailer that came out. I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be his his uh, Jack Sparrow, yep. you know, and I hoped for that. And I'm glad it was. <laughs> I knew I knew the second he turned around that, uh, you know, the walls of Jericho 
and the 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 blast in this movie and the the bomb blows yeah. up and then the the, the wind yeah, that hits was it. and i was like all right i'm sold and that was, what was that 15 minutes in the movie yeah that was the moment for me too that was the moment when i saw that in the first trailer i was like this 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 is it this is his movie you know I'm like john favreau the guy from from swingers all right well see see that's the thing i always had a a a, a, a like for john favreau because i interviewed him in college before he before swingers came out and he was like really pushing for everybody to come interview him because nobody knew the movie and he sure. was such a nice guy that I always like anything he does or anything he was in, I always went to go see because I wanted to support him because he was so good to talk to and so nice to me. And I, I just, I couldn't do anything but like him as a person. And when I started seeing his work as a director, I was really impressed with it. And and more so that when I saw he was doing this Iron Man movie, I was like, all right, he think he's, he might do, I'm interested to see what he does because I love Zathura, you know, so. Right, which was the one he did, the one he did, uh, not right before this, but it was it was the one, I mean, it's three years before this, but that was his previous yeah. film. Yeah, it and was then, right before yeah, this one. Yeah. yeah. And I had, yeah. I, I talked about this on another podcast, but it really uh, comes home here. He had a lot of gumption for uh, basically a first time director of this level on this level of a movie. He fought for Robert yeah. Downey Jr. And right, he was right, going right. to walk if they weren't going to put him in. And for a guy at his level, that could have been the end of his career. Oh, yeah. Easily. Robert Downey Jr. was a, a very smart choice, and and I think that everything just happened to work the right way uh, at the right time because Marvel was uh, still, I, I guess you could say, this whole Marvel Studios. I mean, they had been making movies for quite a while, but they mm. they weren't locked in with the studio yet. They were still kind of dancing around. They weren't making five hundred million to eight hundred million dollar movies. They no, were making right. I mean, the Spider Man successful ones, the movies, Spider Man but... ones were huge success, but they yes. you know between those they had you know the Fantastic Four. And uh, the Punisher and a lot of ones that really suffered that uh, we suffered through. <laughs> you could probably say Blade, Blade 2. Yeah. And this was their first like like solo effort by themselves with, with just Paramount distributing. So, I mean, it wasn't like this was, you know, any sure thing by any means for them. They basically had everything in this, all their eggs in this basket. Yeah, right. And so I think even, even Hulk was even Hulk was produ production with uh, Universal that put up most of that money. Yeah, they distributed that with Universal because Universal just ha I mean, they've had the rights for Hulk for forever, really. Yeah, it was almost like an independent production with a bigger budget. And they really trusted, I think, Kevin Feige. A lot of these people had met John Favreau before when he uh, worked on Daredevil uh, as one of mm -hmm. the actors only acting in that, but he met the people. And so I think through that, they just kind of had a little bit of a relationship. And so I think that they they created this place of trust. And I, I think that that's what they really needed is finding this this grounding for these people who could really believe in these elements and push forward with it. Because, I mean, if it wasn't Robert Downey Jr., I don't know if this ever would have taken off. It, same thing with Favreau. And, and I feel like they really just lucked out kind of hitting the right team to make it happen because i mean we could they did yeah because this could be you know we could have uh i mean we might instead of 20 movies now we might be uh watching uh, another reboot of iron man while they try to figure out how to make it right if they hadn't actually done it that time. yeah yeah i think i mean we've talked about lightning in a bottle for these type of movies and this one just was the one the, since yeah. they've made no real missteps i mean thor two people find the story tonally different like they say it's weak i love it uh because it's a different movie yeah uh, um but they then found yet another 
a successful pattern with Thor Ragnarok. So it's they're really just good at now finding. God, I don't know what is the pulse of the nerd culture that follows that. And well, now also ten years in, we're all invested. No, absolutely. As, yeah. as star, I would say I'm an MC. You know, we're all MCU fans, so we don't care. Yeah, oh, you yeah. have us. You don't have to like. You don't have to sell my father who's 72 years old. You don't have to sell me. I'm 44, yeah. and you don't have to sell my 14 yeah. year old. Well, there's your no. demographic. You have the yeah. three generations you need. Exactly. To make all the money in the universe. They're, they're full four four quadrant movies at the best sense of the term. They they are full four quadrants. I mean, I was working a theater when Infinity War came out. Well, I was working a theater from Guardians of the Galaxy two all the way through Ant Man and the Wasp, and every single one of those movies, regardless of the hype or the trailering or anything, they were full every show for like four weeks. I mean, sure. just nonstop. And, and and it's it, it's the loyalty. I mean, you got people as young as two or three coming in with parents, and as old as 80, 90 years old coming in because they're, they've 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 seen they're at friends least of one of the Lee. movies, if not more. <laughs> 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 they're from the same the same uh, old home old folks home. I remember when Stan <laughs> used to sh- couldn't shut up Stan about that stupid thing, so I'm going to go see his movies. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, and a lot of that i think is anchored on the characters they have such great characters and here we've got i mean all we're doing is looking at this little operation scene i mean it's it's a really interesting operation scene the way that they're doing it but it, i mean that's all it is is this this scene going on between pepper and tony for the entirety of the minute that we're looking at here yet these characters are so interesting that they just draw us in and we are right there wanting to kind of spend our time with them I, I think that's what I find really interesting about it is it makes these it, it brings us these characters that create this foundation outside of the superheroes. I mean, the superheroes mm-hmm. obviously are fun and obviously are really interesting. And those are kind of the big action pieces of the films. But at the heart of it, it has to be the characters and their relationships. And what we get here is exactly why i think the mcu is working this is the core and they're not dark and it's not dark so dark that you go that's not how humans act you you you, they're based in realism in that they're kind of like like a perfect realism i I wouldn't say that tony stark is a real person but he oh no it's very comic booky still yeah yeah but he's very but that's why i read comic books i don't want to read about real people i've read Watchmen. i'm good i don't need to read how people are really going to act when superheroes are around (laughs) I've yeah. read the ultimate version of the Avengers, uh, I, which I love, and most of these movies, uh, you know, pull heavily from originally. But yeah. I, it's, I, you know, we don't have to tell everybody who's listening to this podcast. You're listening to minute fifty one of a Iron Man podcast. <laughs> you're a fan, right? You're, you're in it already. Yeah, I mean, that was one of those things that that I felt after watching um, the Dark Knight Rises is that I was watching it, and after I came out of it, I, I, I turned to the person I was with and I said, you know. I miss the fun of the Tim Burton movies. You know, I mean, as dark as those were, they were a lot of fun. There was always something to it. And and the thing that Marvel does to me is that it's always fun, even at its darkest. It's still, there's still joy in it. I mean, somebody was talking about it the other day that, you know, as dark as the trailer for, for Endgame is, there's still that little bit at the end with uh, with Paul Rudd. And you're just like, oh, yeah, th- there's the funny part. You know, right, yeah. there's always something funny coming around the corner regardless. And that's what was so shocking to me, uh, to most audiences about the last movie. There was no funny part after that ending. You know, it was just like, oh, OK, well, um, I, I guess we got to wait <laughs> for the funny part. So, yeah, a little different. Uh, but these movies are very, very well, well, well uh, organized and well 
balanced as it as it were uh, throughout the entire runtime of them. Yeah, we have a really touching moment here that uh, just, I mean, this is kind of against going to that heart of it where he's trying to convince her to do this surgery simple as he, as far as he sees it. And she's trying to pull out. She doesn't want to do it. And then he says, no, no, you're fine. You are the most capable, qualified, trustworthy person I've ever met. You're going to do great. And I think that- It's a very cute, meet cute. Oh, yeah. And well, it's, not, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's obviously about, you know, doing this surgery and everything. But I think there's a lot more there. And I, I, I think that- Uh, speaks a lot to the relationship between these two and how Tony is able to kind of have these conversations with her. It's, it's a great moment. I love it. Followed up by pus, pus and stink. (laughs) Yeah. I like, I like the sincerity of this scene and the ridiculousness of the scene. Yes. Right. It would, this wouldn't work if they were talking to each other across dinner. No. Right. I'd be like this boring, but because she literally has her hand inside of him, it's a very good device to, to have these, these conversations and these character moments by having this interaction going on because without it, you're right. It would be very, where's, where's, where's the interest in it? You know, outside of them talking to each other. Yeah. Well, I don't have anything else to talk about with this minute. What about you guys? No, I'm good with this minute. No, I'm good. I I think we can talk more about all this uh, in tomorrow's minute because we'll get a little bit more of this in the meantime. uh, Thank you guys so much for joining me today. No problem. Thank you for having us. Do you guys want to plug your show? Where can people find you online? Yeah, we're at MinuteImpossible.com. We do a minute-by-minute breakdown of the uh, 1996, well, the entire Mission Impossible movie franchise, starting with the 1996 movie. We completed that this year, uh, 110 episodes. So go find us online. Uh, we're on uh, all the podcatchers out there. And you can find us on Twitter at MinImpossible, M-I-N Impossible. All right. Well, that's it for today's show, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to the show for free at MarvelMovieMinute.com. Join us over in our Discord chat room and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Next Reel. And if you like what we do and you want to support us and get some cool stuff, become a patron over at patreon.com slash the next reel. Until next time, true believers. 